Everybody. Hello there. It's Chris here. And Jane. And we're back with uh, another episode of Copyright Waffle. Yes. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a little while. It's We've been quite busy, though. We have been. Um, so we're very pleased to announce uh, that we have a guest on today's Waffle, who we met on our travels. We did, yes. Um, so we've got Teresa Hackett, who is the Copyright and Libraries Programme Manager at Eiffel, which is uh, Electronic Information for Libraries. So, we're, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking yes. to Teresa because we were... We, we were in Kyrgyzstan We were. Recently. Shall we say hello to Teresa before I we start waffling on? I think we probably should, on, yeah? yes. Hello, Teresa. Can you hear us? I can. Hello. Hello. Yeah, yeah. So we should say we're, we're doing this interview over Skype. We are. Yeah, we are yeah. actually at the Squire Law Library in Cambridge. Yeah. And Teresa, where are you? You're at your home, I think, at the moment, aren't you? I'm, yeah, I'm in Dublin in Ireland. Yes. So this is a bit of an experiment for us, but we, yes. think, we think we can get the technology to work, don't we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, we were in Kyrgyzstan. Well, we're going to talk about that in a moment, aren't we, Teresa? But it was, that was a pretty exciting trip, for us at least. Mm-hmm, Yeah. It was, uh, and it was actually my third time in Kyrgyzstan, um, which was which was great to be back and uh, and great to 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 meet all of the Eiffel community. Yes. Uh, yeah, at the at the conference. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was so, our first time ever going, and it was an amazing experience. We really well, we enjoyed the country, but we really enjoyed being part of your incredible community as well. With yeah, so lots many... of people from all, many different countries. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about that in, in a moment. Aren't we, we are. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm going to start off with the questions, Teresa, and our, our first question um, that we tend to ask people is really um, about like what what your what's your copyright history? I mean, how did you get into working? in this bizarre, nerdy, exciting field of copyright? And, and why do you find it so interesting? Well, uh, I got into copyright when I joined EBLIDA, the European Bureau of Library Information and Documentation Associations mm. that's based in Hague in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. That was in way back in the year 2000. Okay. And at that time, um, the first pan-European copyright legislation was going through the legislative process and that became known as the European Copyright Directive. Yeah. Um, it was just, of course, superseded this year by the new directive, the Digital Single Market Directive. Yeah, yeah. But in 2001, um, when the first directive was adopted, um, we had, it was known as the the Directive on the Harmonisation of Certain Aspects of Copyright and Related Rights in the Information Society, mm -hmm. um, which was, funnily enough, also known as the Information Society Directive, yep. the InfoSoc Directive, the EUCD, or simply the European Copyright Directive. So it had lots of names, um, but it was the first, yeah, the first directive. Okay, and you, so you were working, you were working at a bleeder, and but I mean, did you go there as a copyright specialist, or was it something that kind of emerged that um, you know they needed somebody with that kind of expertise? Is that is that is that how it came about? No, well, actually, I I, I came in as the director of a bleeder, and the, this was the big issue on the table at the time. Um, it was like the main issue, and it was a really big, important issue for libraries, like the first you know, the first European copyright legislation. Yeah, of and, course. Um, and so, I, I mean, I've been working as a librarian before and I've kind of come across copyright a little bit or heard about copyright. Yeah. But 
hadn't you know hadn't dealt with it in detail. So so I suppose I jumped in at the advocacy end of copyright. Ah. So, so we had to like in in the year two thousand. So at that time it was going through the second reading in the European Parliament, and the draft text from the first reading was pretty bad for libraries. So a lot of work was needed to improve the final version to make it workable for libraries. Um, so, so I really, yeah, jumped in, started working with policymakers and politicians, yeah. um, mobilizing librarians around Europe and working with coalitions of like-minded groups. Okay, okay. And you started working presumably with um, organizations like IFLA as well and things at the time, yeah? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. so IFLA and um, and we were there was a coalition um, called EFPIC, uh, the European Fair Practices in Copyright Campaign, and that was a coalition of libraries and disability groups and consumer groups and and teachers, and I was a spokesperson for for EFPIC um, at that time. So that was a really you know really exciting time. Yeah, a very busy time. Yes, yeah, I can imagine. And, and did you have uh, a background in law before you started working in the copyright field or was this something that you kind of got into because of this need to advocate on behalf it of libraries? Was, it was something I got into. So my background was library and technology. So I'd worked really with more on the technology side of libraries, you know, um, uh, installing automated library systems and library networks and that sort of thing. Um, so it was really, really a new area. Uh, for mm. me, and then that's how I got into copyright and into the the legal side of things. Mm. Mm. And you've never left. It's been so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I've never left. <laughs> okay. So uh, you've mentioned there the sort of the work that you were doing in various countries um, for a bleeder, and then um, so you when did you move to working with Eiffel um, and and working with with the countries that are part of of that community. Well, well, after um, after the copyright directive and after the work at Ablida, then really I transferred to working with Eiffel, which was doing a similar sort of work, except doing it more at the global level than than, than at a European level. And so that was when Eiffel started its uh, copyright and libraries program in. 2005, if I can remember correctly, and the idea was that we would work with, well, Eiffel works with libraries in developing and transition economy countries, mm -hmm. and um, what, we, what we did was we, we started a, a network, we created a network of copyright librarians in the partner countries that libraries that, that Eiffel works in, um, provided training and, and technical assistance to librarians when their copyright laws were being updated, um, created lots of new resources for librarians to start, you know, to, to familiarise themselves with copyright, and then, um, and then started also working at the international level at the World Intellectual Property Organisation to improve the global copyright framework for libraries. Mm. So, and and we we heard you talking about that uh, when we when we were in Kyrgyzstan and giving giving us a list of uh, you know a number of different countries where you've been having some real success in influencing uh, local copyright laws. So, can you talk to us a bit about you know you're you're working on some things at the moment, presumably around copyright reform and advocating for libraries. Can you give us a, a rundown of uh, of kind of what you're working on right now? Mm -hmm. 
yes, indeed. Um, so, so right now, um, I'm working on uh, uh, well, there's two two particular things. Uh, one is we're we're um, uh, organising an international workshop on the Marrakesh Treaty for persons with print disabilities uh, in Lithuania at the um, end of September, 26th, 27th of September, um, and as you're listeners, some of your listeners might know, the Marrakesh Treaty for Persons with Print Disabilities um, was the treaty that was adopted by member states uh, of the World Intellectual Property Organization in 2013. Mm -hmm. And um, the treaty then entered into force and has now been adopted by many countries around the world. So this workshop we're organizing is a practical workshop for librarians on how, how to start using the Marrakesh Treaty. Um, and it's aimed at the countries that IFO works in, which is in Eastern Central Europe and the Baltic states, um, that have joined the Marrakesh Treaty and then where the implementation international law is either advanced or has been completed. Okay. Um, and the focus on especially is the cross-border exchange of accessible format materials mm. um, because that's really what the Marrakesh Treaty was all about. It was to... to, to uh, in, in, increase the amount of accessible format materials and to allow libraries to share their resources across borders. Yeah. So is the Marrakesh Treaty of particular importance to those countries with developing and, and transitioning economies? Well, the Marrakesh Treaty, I think, is of, of importance to, to libraries, you know, everywhere because mm. it, it, will, it will increase the amount of accessible material, reading material available to blind people all around the world. Mm. I think it's of particular importance to, um, to libraries in developing and transition economy countries because typically um, the, the amount of accessible material in those countries is, is there's, there's less reading material. Um, in accessible formats than in other countries um, yeah. and they develop in industrialized countries. So what was really, um, really, really important for us and great was when the, you know, some of the key kind of the content producing countries ratified the Marrakesh Treaty um, because then those countries, the libraries in those countries will be able to share the material they've already got with with other countries that have fewer resources. Yeah. So like when the United States uh, ratified Marrakesh, we have Canada, we have Australia, and we have the European Union. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's kind of why we're, we're, in particular, why we're having this workshop in, in Lithuania, because it will um, encourage uh, the countries, all the EU member states that have adopted the treaty, to start really sharing and exchanging material. Yeah. Yeah, well, that sounds great. Sounds really good. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, you said there was something else as well. So you're working on two things. So you've got your workshop at the end of uh, September. But was this, there was something else you're working on at the moment? That's right, yeah. So the other, sort of in parallel then, we're also um, advocating for an international treaty for libraries and archives. So okay, yeah. The British treaty was setting standards for um, uh, and, and setting a, a global and international legal framework for the creation of accessible format material for people with print disabilities. We're also advocating for international standards for libraries and archives to set basic standards that you know libraries can apply to the making of copies and the use of copyrighted content around the world. Um, and so, so that work is continuing at WIPO. And um, in uh, October, so on the 18th and 19th of October, 
WIPO will have an international conference on limitations and exceptions for libraries and archives, which will is like a follow-on to three regional seminars that have taken place around the world um, in, in the earlier part of the year. And this is all part of an action plan on limitations and exceptions by the WIPO's Copyright Committee. And, um, and, and so it's, a, yeah, it's an important an important event and I think yeah. it would be an important way to make you know to present the library issues and, and bring back from the regions the, the, the challenges and the problems that we've heard from from practitioners on the ground to ask the international policymakers to you know to support libraries and to help us find some solutions to yeah problems yeah so one of the things that happens from, from conversations we've had and also our own observations is is many of those uh countries um that you know eiffel represents or are part of that community it the laws in their country tend not to be very flexible at all and it tends to be the the rich uh european anglo-european countries that have more flexibility in their copyright laws uh, but so there's an inequality there at the sort of the the, the stage of w what is in uh, you know what what provisions there are for libraries and library users. So that's that's a real issue, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, um, and and that's kind of the irony, if you like, um, you know that that countries that perhaps have the greatest need mm. for, for access to information and mm. for you know, to be able to reuse information resources have, in many cases. The most restrictive copyright laws. Mm. You know, there's many reasons for this, and and that's why really we, we want to, to 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 try to set some basic basic standards, um, which will help all countries to achieve the same level of development when it comes to um, amending and updating their copyright laws to keep up to date with the digital environment. And we know from the, the, the different studies that have been done, so like, for example, the Cruz study, mm. uh, the study done by Professor Kenneth Cruz, commissioned by WIPO on limitations and exceptions um, around the world, is that libraries really operate under a, a, a patchwork of, of provisions that are you know, sometimes contradictory, they're complicated, they're confusing, and they're not compatible with, with the way that the reality of how libraries work in the, the global environment. And we know, for example, that and from the, the, the data from the Cruise study that um, almost half of the WIPO member states do not explicitly allow uh, for, have, do, not ex, have, have, do not explicitly allow for copies to be made for research or study. So there's no exception for research or, or study. Mm. And 27% don't permit copies even for preservation purposes. Yeah. And when it comes to like document supply and interlibrary loan, it's only really a handful of country. And if, if we saw that the trends were going in the right direction, then we might say, okay, you know, maybe we'll hang on and eventually all countries will catch up. But the trends are not good. So, no, so no. what we see from the different iterations of the study is that even in countries that have amended their copyright laws in the last, I don't know, say five years, the digital, digital copying is expressly barred in over one third of those countries, even for preservation. Wow. So this means the countries that are going to the, the you know, there are, are amending their copyright laws and are updating the copyright laws for different reasons, are still not allowing, like, basic fund, fundamental activities like, like preservation. So we worked out that 
at this rate, at the rate at which we're going, it might take another maybe 70 years for the laws of every country to catch up with just what libraries are doing mm. today, you know, until 2087. And, you know, we just we just think we, we need some faster action. Absolutely. Well, to see that within our lifetimes might, well, be, yeah. might be good, mightn't it? It might be, yes. Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, so a lot of what you're talking about now is is making me think about um, our experiences when we were in Kyrgyzstan. And I, yes. I think we'd... So we'd like to talk about... Um, yeah, copyright news. But I think we could have this as our news item, couldn't I we? Think Which so. means we need to have the, a little jingle, the copyright news jingle. Yeah. yeah. Copyright news. 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 Copyright. So there we go. Okay. Um, so the, uh, the news, uh, I suppose, it's, it's, it's not old news as such, is it? But we, no. it, it, it's, it was a great experience for us to have been invited. Um, out to uh, to meet uh, the Eiffel team and, and all the yeah. delegates. And I think one of the things I was just reflecting on when you were talking about the different types of copyright uh, law, the provisions that are in those different countries' laws, is we're very keen to um, see if people want to adapt um, our copyright card game for uh, different jurisdictions into different languages. Um, and so far we've had quite a lot of success in getting translations into Commonwealth countries, English-speaking countries, you know, we've had a Australian and a US version and a Canadian version, um, and I think I was just very much struck with how difficult it is in in some countries for them to either even get as far as to talk about exceptions and limitations when they they don't really exist and they mm. don't have the culture of actually being able to, uh, um, you know, to, to to do certain things which you might just assume all libraries are doing yeah um, and presumably libraries have that it's that sort of risk-based issue where something might be illegal under the law but it's for digital preservation you just have to get on and do it but the risk potentially is much higher in some of those countries isn't it uh well yes and and i think that's also you know it's also the the irony that i think if and this is one of the you know what we what we we try to 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 talk about and promote is when we're talking to librarians and when we're talking to policymakers, is that you know if, if what happens if your law doesn't allow ordinary everyday activities, um, and and indeed activities that that the you know that are important for the country like preserving your national cultural heritage for example. Yeah, yeah. If if, if libraries were to uh, um, you know, if libraries are to really go by the letter of the law in every country, then 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 you're you're really either losing out on preserving your your national heritage or or, or supporting researchers and, and scientists who need access to material, um, or the your people are, are not are ignoring the law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But- point of view, it's you know it's um uh who, who wish to res- encourage respect for the co- for law it's hard to encourage respect for the law when the law doesn't allow you to do you know activities that are seen as as, as reasonable and, and logical and everyday and important activities yeah so that's an important kind of a uh, yeah a conundrum and an issue that we try to to talk to policymakers about but it's important that the law works for people and then people much easier to bring people along with the law yeah 
And you, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned it was your third um, time that you'd been in uh, Kyrgyzstan, and you you've you've had some quite recent success there, haven't you? I think in terms of um, getting the law amended. Do you want? Would you like to say a bit about um, what what that's happened right. there? Yeah, that's right. So so in August, um, when we were together in Kyrgyzstan, that was uh, the occasion when Eiffel celebrated its twentieth anniversary at our General Assembly, mm. uh, and for me. It was my third visit to Kyrgyzstan. Um, so I've been working with the, the library community and um, with policymakers and with with local um, with the local copyright office to um, to to update the copyright law and amend the copyright law, which happened then <clears throat> a couple of years ago. And um, it, the the law was updated with some interesting changes, positive changes that support the work of libraries, that encourage the use of open open educational resources, and that included uh, new provisions for the making of accessible format copies. And at the same time, Kyrgyzstan uh, ratified the Marrakesh Treaty, um, and that was really uh, a great. I think we worked with a great team of people there, and it was a great um, you know example of how small number of people can achieve some quite significant change in the, yeah. in the country and so that was a very yeah very rewarding experience and uh, you know to work with 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 some with just you, we had a, a kind of like the dream team I suppose we had mm. like a librarian who could talk about what libraries do and what libraries need and then we had um, a local local legal support who could then Kind of translate those needs into legal language that fitted into the framework and the tradition of the law, and then we had a policymaker who was particularly interested, a member of parliament who himself was blind, so he was very interested in promoting the Marrakesh Treaty, and then we had um, the the Copyright Office that was able to bring all these stakeholders together and achieve a, a good result. So I think it's a great example of of how a copyright reform can be done. Um, led by the library community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and have you had? There's a couple of other countries. I think you mentioned you've been work. You're you're working in at the moment as well, aren't there? Were there any you wanted to kind of pick up on and say a bit more about? Yeah. Well, we've been supporting. I mean, in terms of Marrakesh Treaty, um, we've been supporting the ratification of the treaty by partner countries. So so the it's been ratified now by seventeen. Eiffel partner countries, that's 20% of the total number of countries that were ratified. So we're really kind of proud of that, of that achievement. Um, um, and so some of the countries that we supported implementation in would be like in Botswana, um, in, in Kenya, uh, Lesotho, Malawi, Mongolia, yeah. Poland, a number of you know different countries, Thailand, Uganda, and now we're working with those countries to implement the treaty into international law. Um, and then, in terms of general copyright law reform, um, we've done we, we worked quite a bit in Poland, and they updated their copyright law in 2015. We worked with a great our great partner um, Barbara Szapanska there. We did a lot of work. Um, we also had some successes in um, in uh, in Mongolia also, and we have been working with the library community in Myanmar. Mm. Mm. Oh yes, we met some of the librarians um, from Myanmar. I think they 
they were part of the speed dating gang that came to see us and we they were quite excited actually to uh, have a look at our games weren't they yeah. great there's a great um team of people i think there isn't there there's a great team of people and and you know we've been out there and we've been working with them and the the, the copyright law was eventually adopted earlier on this year but we haven't seen an english translation of the final text that was adopted right so, you're waiting on uh, <laughs> to see what you know what, what it actually says. <laughs> actually says exactly. Mm. So it's going to be one to watch out for. So we hope that that um, that there will be yeah that, that the provisions that have been you know finally adopted will be will be supportive of libraries and uh, for me the people in Myanmar at the stage of development of which Myanmar is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was. I mean, it was great. The general assembly, you know, was was obviously a really, really valuable opportunity for us to go and meet people. Um, but it was also an awful lot of fun, Teresa. Uh, you really looked after people as well. We had a wonderful time in the country. Mm. Um, and, you know, we were really honoured, I think, to to have been invited to join you out there. So, uh, yeah, we... We've... Thank you very much. I mean, it was, you know, it's always... I think for me it's always a very rewarding experience to see people, you know, to meet all our partners, um, you know, from all over the world. And I think it's great to see all the common, you know, the common issues and the, you know, mm -hmm. how that people have from different regions and how they can get together and, and share their experiences and share, you know, share share their successes absolutely yeah. absolutely as you say like the the library community really does want to work together internationally and i think you know whatever we can do to stop copyright being a barrier to preventing that is you know it's really important work that you're doing so yeah 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 we were very honored thank you um, Thank you very much. So we we like to ask people what their favourite nerdy fact is or, or anecdote about copyright. So if if you if you ever get talking to someone at a at a, a dinner party or something and they're asking you about copyright, do you have a a, a kind of uh, a go to anecdote that you pull out? <laughs> well, well, I have I have two. Oh, ah, okay. Is is that allowed? Yeah, yes, you yeah. Can, yeah. Have as many as you like. <laughs> Okay, so my first one is, in, in Poland, um, what does copyright and gambling have in common? Oh. oh. Is this a joke? <laughs> no, actually it's not. Um, so what does copyright and gambling have in common? Oh, I, uh, and I, there's a hint, public libraries. Ah. Uh, Mm. Something uh, can you can you go gambling in public libraries? Um, I don't know the no, answer. No, I, I don't know. think I know. No. Okay, well, I'll tell you. So in Poland, payments for public lending rights. So mm -hmm. that's the that's the the, the 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 payment to authors or or publishers for the lending of their books in public libraries. Um, so in Poland, when PLR was introduced in 2015. Um, the, the payments to authors for the public lending rights are funded by taxes on gambling. Wow. So like the National Lottery or betting on sports or something mm. like that. So, so what, what's, the, oh, what's the logic behind that? Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't really, I don't know actually. Um, <laughs> but it's a kind of a, I, I, I've not come across it in any other no. No, Because if you might think, well, you know, instead of taking the money that you're paying for the, 
lending of books for the payment of the public lending right, instead of taking that money from the library budget yeah, or yeah. the education budget or maybe, I don't know, the health budget or something, you know, maybe fund it, take it from the get the money that's mm. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, you take something so. which you would say is not a great thing, yeah. which is widespread gambling, and then literacy is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, we'll that, remember that one. Yeah, keep, keep that one up your sleeve, Chris, for okay. your next I dinner will. party. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, what's the second one then, Teresa? So the second one is, is the sound of silence copyrighted? <laughs> Ooh, I would imagine... We may be talking about John Cage, is that right? We are, yeah. Uh, we're not talking about the Simon and Garfunkel song. Right, no, okay. okay. So is this, is this 4 minutes 33? Yes. But okay. do, do you know the, the twist? So there's a yarn with a twist. Okay, carry on. So, 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 okay, so you know the song John Cage, the American avant-garde composer, has had a song called... Four minutes thirty-three seconds, yes. which was four minutes thirty-three seconds of silence. And then later on, um, a group called a British group called the Planets, uh, led by Mike Bat of Wombles fame. Oh, oh yes, yeah. yeah. Released a song called One Minute Silence that he attributed to Cage and Bat. So Cage, John Cage, and himself might that yeah. and this was a joke song because he was kind of known for writing jokey some some jokey songs yeah uh, like the Womble song um, and then at a concert he he said that Mike Bat said that his sound of silence was quite different from and indeed eminently superior to John <laughs> Cage <Peter, right? laughs> because nothing is you, you know you have nothing's really ever completely silent so you've always got like some ambient background noise noise going on so so his silence was superior. Anyway, and then the story went that Cage's music publisher sued for copyright infringement. And in 2002, the case was settled on the steps of the court for an undisclosed <laughs> six-figure sum, which was rumoured to be about £100,000, British pounds. Wow. Was at the time, you know, comment, all the commentators went mad. Like people were saying, you know, copyright's gone mad. This is ridiculous. And yeah. Like so, so that was the that's the yarn. But then the twist was that later on, about ten years later, um, Mike Bat revealed that the whole thing was a joke. Uh, yes. Well, that, <laughs> that that you would have thought it's a very good way of getting publicity isn't it it is it is i think yeah so it, it, they, they were using it was like it was a kind of worked out with the publisher so it was a joke together with the publisher ah. to use opportunity to publicize the issue of copyright i think i think that's excellent i like i like the idea of staging a great big publicity coup by yes Mm. bringing in a spurious copyright dispute <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also a big fan of the Wombles uh, well I yes. say. yeah 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 and, and the six figure song in question was in fact uh, a donation he did make a donation of one thousand pounds so the six figure song was included the like the decimal dot, points zero zero <laughs> okay 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 
Uh, well, oh, well, very good. Very yes, good. Fair play to Mike Battle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Teresa, you've you've talked a lot about um, the work you've done, the sort of international work as well. Um, we we like to ask people if they've got anyone that they kind of really admire in the the copyright world. Is there is there anyone that you would say has inspired you? Um, you know, from either sort of reading their work or from meeting them or working with them. Is there is there anyone you'd like to single out? Is there? Well, you know, I've worked with so many inspiring, knowledgeable people over the years, and I think that's what's been really really rewarding mm. um, working in this area because you meet. You meet people from all over the world, and you meet people coming from you know different different disciplines, but all working together with a common goal of increasing and and maximizing access to knowledge. Mm. I mean, I'd say in terms of you know scholars who research and write about copyright, and um, I mean one of my yeah my highlights is is always uh, Ruth Okadiji. Uh, uh, professor Ruth is a professor of law at Harvard Law oh, okay. School. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. And she worked with us on the first edition of the Eiffel Model Law yeah. uh, in 2009. And Ruth has written particularly on the impact of copyright on developing countries, so the impact of the international copyright system on developing countries, and the the role of limitations and exceptions in supporting the public interest. And as a speaker, she's always yeah, inspiring and, and, and uplifting and eminent talks, eminently good sense, you know, common yes. sense. I think we watched her doing a talk, didn't we? It was we? in Australia. In Australia, Was it the yeah. Australian... Uh, At the Di- Australian Digital Alliance, uh, their kind of was, conference. It was a year or so ago. Yeah, and it was live-streamed. We weren't in Australia. We were just, we were watching it online, yeah. I think. So, yeah... yeah. Yeah, yeah that could be so. So um, mm. you know, and she's a great friend of libraries. Um, yeah, she owns libraries, and she's she's really really been very supportive. Um, she was also, of course, uh, a key negotiator during the Marrakesh Treaty. Right. So yeah. She was involved um, as a representative of Nigeria during the negotiations. So we can have some of the the you know some of the, the good provisions of the Marrakesh Treaty. Um, to we can have, we can thank Ruth for having. Um, you know, helped helped negotiate a, a good treaty. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. Are there any other people that you want to mention? Don't worry if if not. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there's there's other people, as I say, who I've worked with. I mean, I would say Louise Villaroyal um, is also, you know, been a, a great advocate for libraries and uh, and and for libraries and education. And Louise, I first met Louise um, in, in WIPO uh, when he was representing the government of Chile um, at the Copyright Committee. And Louise was the, in his role as, you know, as, as a representative of Chile, he introduced the uh, limitations and exceptions for education, libraries and people with disabilities onto the agenda of the Copyright Committee for the very first time. Right. And that was really very important because then that, that paved the way then for all the, the work that's been done at an international level, um, all the studies we've had, and then the you know we've had the, the Marrakesh Treaty, and now we, we're discussing the Treaty on Libraries and Archives and the Treaty on, on Education. And so all that work really stemmed from getting it on the agenda of the Copyright Committee for the very first time. So, yeah. so that was a really important move. And I think Louise, for me, always says he has an exceptional knowledge of international treaties. Mm. 
the you know the detailed knowledge, but he's also a good understanding of issues for the global south, and he's a, a very yeah great negotiator. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's excellent. That's yeah. really good. It's always good to have some new people as well mentioned. It's. Uh, we're always looking for copyright heroes, aren't we? We are, absolutely. We're going to compile a list of them, I think, superstars or something. Another fearless campaigner who I've worked with for many years is Jamie Love from Knowledge Ecology International. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so so, so there's, a, there's, a, but there's so many people, and there's people in the library community and, you know, many other people who we work with. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. Okay, yeah. yes, thanks for those. Mm. We will... We will put links to their bios as well in our accompanying blog post. Yes, we will. Yeah, Definitely. yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, can I ask where you go uh, to keep yourself up to date with copyright? Where are your kind of sources of information? Um, well, um, I think, you know, we've been talking about librarians being networkers. I think librarians are natural networkers. So so I go to, you know, I keep up to date with all the networks we work with, like with the IFLA network, Copyright for Creativity, mm. Injustice, um, uh, you know, so we, yeah, network a lot and, and, and are on lists and keep up to date with all the people who are working in this area. Um, and then in terms of, like, maybe finding out what's happening with copyright laws in different countries around the world, I follow a service called Lexology. Mm which provides international legal updates and analysis on copyright laws. And so what's useful about that is that sometimes, I mean, first of all, you might get to hear about a change in a law or something, a development in a law yeah. uh, that you might not have known about. But the, the nice thing about it is that you also then get an analysis of the proposed changes or an analysis of the provisions that have been adopted in a summary form. Hmm. And that's just a good a good starting point, especially when you're working, especially when the original language of the the or when the law the language of copyright law is not in English. Yeah. And you're looking to get a kind of a you know, a professional interpretation of the provisions in the law. Yeah. So who puts that together then? Is that is that um some lawyers that are doing that around the world? It is, it is. Um who actually puts it together? It's a... That's a good question. Hmm. That sounds really useful. I definitely will have to uh, add that to our list of resources as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've it's seen... It's just like a subscription, so are, are you just a subscription in the sense of, like, you just, you know, it's a, you, you, you add in your... You subscribe, you add your email address. It's a free yeah. new service. Yeah. Where other then reports from all over the world on all different subjects, and then you can, you know... You, you can, can choose the topics you're interested in. You can choose the topics, you can choose the countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds great! And you're you're um, you're on Twitter, aren't you? Do you use Twitter to keep yourself up to date? Do you follow anyone or any of the kind of blogs and things? Um... Yeah, I, I am on Twitter, but I'm I'm a kind of a, a like I dip in and out of Twitter. <laughs> um, but and when any time I do dip in, I always find lots of interesting information and and you know yeah and, and those and things like that. So. So I do, um, yeah, I dip in and out of Twitter. Yeah, 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 okay, okay. I think I dip in and out too. Yeah. You're the one who does most of the work on our Twitter I'm just, account. I'm just in, I'm never you, out. You are indeed. I'm just yeah. sunk, immersed in Twitter, yeah. 
Yeah, well, well, my my next question is really to get off the topic of copyright, but to get onto one that's kind of pretty close to our heart. Now, normally during a copyright waffle, we are actually meeting the person face to face, so we will bring along um, a, a cake or some kind of sweet treat for them. We're feeling very bad, Teresa, that you're on Skype. We're sort of virtually sending you this chocolate biscuit, which we're waving at the screen at you at the moment. Um, but if if you you know, are, are you a are you a, a sort of a, a a cake person, a biscuit person? Have you got any particular favourites? Uh, I am a cake person. Um, I, I do like cakes, actually, all 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 types of cakes. Um, you know, carrot cake, banana cake. Uh, I heard them talking on the radio this morning. Um, they were mentioning raspberry and coconut cake. Oh, that sounds good. Particularly mm. delicious, I think. Yeah. Mm. But if you if you ask me, what's my favourite type of cake? Mm. Um, I would say Christmas cake. Oh really? Oh, oh. so like a, a kind of very quite a rich fruit cake type with with some yeah. alcohol in it as well, a bit of booze. Yeah. So so yeah. So Christmas cake would be like is a fruit cake mm. with you know raisins, sultanas, cherries, maybe nuts in it, and you know mixed peel and that type of thing, and and whiskey. Mm. And, it's usually made, it would be made like maybe six to eight weeks before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it keeps for, you know, keeps for a while and it keeps after Christmas as well. And then typically you'll have, it'll, there'll be then on top of the fruitcake, there'll be a, a layer of marzipan mm-hmm. and then icing on top. Mm. And then some nice seasonal copy of uh, copyright <laughs> Christmas decorations. You could have copyright Christmas decorations. Copy- well, well, that's just that's just my Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose I like it because it's seasonal. You know, so it's not something you you get all year round. So no. it's like you get for a certain time, so you can kind of you know you enjoy it for. for yeah. For, so do you make your own? You're starting to think about getting that ready in a few few months' time? You... Yeah, no, you know, I, I haven't made my own because usually I have other family members. <laughs> Who make it for you? Oh, Wow. And do they and do they feed? Are you supposed to feed the cake with the with the booze over a period of time? That's right. You feed it with the whiskey. Yeah. Oh, mm. And the other thing is that it goes. Like it goes equally well. You could have like it with like a cup of tea mm. or Irish coffee, maybe at the Christmas time, or a glass of whiskey. Mm. So you know, it's so versatile. Mm. Which is quite tempting. Maybe we it should have a go tempting. at making it one. It seems quite. It does seem a bit strange to be thinking about Christmas. Uh, current at the time of speaking, it is what the end of August, isn't it? And, and it's the sun one is of shining. The, one of the hottest <laughs> days here in Cambridge. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic, Teresa. Yeah. That's excellent. The only, the only thing that I'm thinking about, in terms of, of, of delicious treats to, to eat and drink, um, did you try any of the uh, fermented mare's milk that we were had the opportunity to try when we were in Kyrgyzstan? <laughs> oh, Chris, that's a terrible question. <laughs> <laughs> that's a mean question. Um, I... I just say I no. Did, I did. I did. I did try to try it. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. So I I did try a little bit of it. I have to say, it, it's it's a fairly acquired taste, isn't it? 
Kumis. Kumis, it's called, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yes, you've been talking to people about it. It's very, game. very good for your health. Yes. I think it's it's like those little, you know, what we're all very keen on having these all probiotic drinks. And oh, it's, yes. I guess it's a bit like that, except yeah. it's, it's extremely powful, isn't it, in flavour? And I think I got within about, I don't know, 10 centimetres of my nose <laughs> going near it and had to rapidly move away from the Kumis. But uh, yeah, but, but there we are. Yeah, it yeah. was other other than that. It was we were we were well looked after when we were in Kyrgyzstan. And we had a lot of delicious food and drinks. We so, did. Yeah. We no did. Christmas cake. But, no, um, no, 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 no. Well, maybe we need to go back there another time yes, of year. Yeah, yeah. Teresa, it's yeah, been fantastic no, it's talking well to you. And the food was really tasty and delicious. So I can concur with that. Yes, yes, yes. So thank you, though. Thank you very much for joining us this morning um, and for recording this copyright waffle. Yes, thank you very much. And, uh... Before we go, can I, can I just ask you a question? Maybe your listeners can, can help. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So when I was... Um, so I talked earlier that, that I worked on the copyright directive when, you know, when the first copyright directive was going through the European Parliament. And... A little while ago, I was clearing out at the back of some cupboards in my in my house, and I found some advocacy material uh, from that time. So, like, we had we had it was obviously coming up to Christmas because because we had a little Christmas card with Happy Christmas in all the different European languages, and and it had then the card was kind of locked with a lock, and on the slogan on the card was "You hold the key to an inclusive." information society and the key was like in a little in a little envelope on the front of the card now it's kind of hard to describe because we're on audio but if i if i jingle the key if i jingle the lock can you hear it oh, oh right so there's actually a key and a lock yeah and then when the idea was that the nep would open the card and then inside they got there were lit there were some quotes from you know some examples from the the, the head of digital information and research at Cologne City Library. There was a quote from a distance learner in Brussels, from a senior citizen in England, and a blind, self-employed person working in the tech sector. Um, so anyway, so 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 I'm wondering, like, what should I do with this? Is there like a museum for copyright advocacy memorabilia? Oh, yeah. Well, I... I... I think well, we'll put that question out to people. Yeah. I think seeing as where we are, I know that there's there's a library of stuff here in Cambridge which is yeah. relating to intellectual property. I don't know whether it's particularly looking at advocacy, but I think we're artifacts we're, as well. This is we will put that question out there. Yeah. And I think we're definitely in the right place to start that question. So and if not, yeah. Maybe we should start one. Well, maybe we should. Yeah. 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 Where, where, where are we going to hold? Have well, that? I don't know. We'll, no. work, we'll work the details. Yeah. That's details, details. Yeah. Hang on to it, Teresa. Keep it safe. Keep it safe. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. I think this is, it's all part of, it'll be interesting, I think, for scholars and, and students who are studying, researching copyright advocacy in the future and and, and how did we do it and what arguments did we use and what... What advocacy tools? Absolutely, and certainly mm. one of the kind of research centres that focuses on intellectual property, you would think would want to collect these kind of, you know, mm. artefacts. I'm thinking of 
um, some of the material that they would collect when I worked at, at LSE related to international organisations, pamphlets and all sorts of mm. things. So it, I'm sure there must be a library or archive that has, you know, some bits of this kind of collection and would want to add to it. Let's yeah. be- yeah. Let's begin the exploration. Let's see what we can do to help you with that. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Okay, well. Well, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, thank you. So it's been great talking to you, and uh, we, we hope to see you again um, in the not-too-distant f- future, catch up with you. Um, but in the meantime, it would be great to hear about how some of that work progresses in a couple of months' time, and perhaps you might want to... Uh, follow up with a blog post or something for us and uh you know we're 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 kind of keen um converts i think to all the work that you're doing at eiffel since our our trip aren't we so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so we will certainly stay in touch with you sure well it was my pleasure and um it was it was great to have you with Kieran sam i think i think it's uh you know it, it added a, a new dimension to the to the work that we're doing and everyone was very excited about it Excellent, thank you. Thanks very much. Okay. It's not legal advice, but it will have to suffice because it's copyright waffle, copyright waffle, copyright waffle. All right. Where's the biscuit? Where's the biscuit? We're going to show you the biscuit, even though we can't give you the biscuit. It's an M&S chocolate biscuit.